Well, good morning again. Hope you had a, a, a good and an uneventful uh, beginning of the year. You can, uh, you can see by the title for this week's message up there on the screen that, uh, that uh, we're going to be, well, in case you're listening online and can't see the screen, the title for this morning is The Prodigal in All of Us. This was supposed to be the message for the first Sunday in the new year, but couldn't help but notice that last week when I was here out there in the parking lot, uh, all of the rest of you decided to take the week off. Um, by the way, when the elders call off church like that, you shouldn't take it personally. Please don't take it personally. They're not saying that you couldn't make it to church uh, they, because they, they know that you could make it to church no matter how deep the snow was and that you would actually do that. They're just trying to think of the people in, you know, in that row over there who would try to come to church and then end up in the ditch in the below zero wind chill factor. And, and that means that uh, you don't have to come up to me <laughs> later today and, and tell me that you could have made it last week. I know that you could have made it last week, but I'm not so sure that the people in the row, you know, that row over there uh, could make it. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, you just you, you can stop busting my chops because someday you may be sitting in that row and uh, you'll appreciate, you know, having the morning off. But if this were the first Sunday in the year, that would mean that this would be the Sunday that we traditionally set aside to ask what we might consider uh, to be goals that we could set for the year. Now, I, I want you to notice that I didn't say resolutions. I said goals. And I said that because companies and organizations and boards of directors make resolutions. We solemnly resolve that we will blah, 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 blah. You know how that works. You know the drill. But <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to say that resolu resolution is far too big a word to apply to some desperate decisions that you make in the final moments of the year on December 20, 31st when, you know, the year is becoming a new year. Resolutions require deliberation. They require broad agreement. They, they require strict accountability. And that's why I say that I think it's just too large a word for a quick decision that you're making at the end of the year. And, uh, and that's why I, I, I think that we might consider it setting goals for this year. But I'll have more to say about that in a moment. But having said that, <clears throat> I should say that we set goals for the, this year for the, the year that we just had. We set goals for 2021. I don't know if you remember that. And uh, we've just spent 12 months now in the book of James talking about the ways that we might implement those goals into our lives. Uh, I'm going to put them up on the screen here in a little bit uh, just uh, so that you can see how, how much help James potentially would have been to us if we had been, uh, if we had been if, well, if we had fulfilled those goals. But but uh, so by way of a review, I, I'm just going to go ahead and put them back up on the screen, and, and we can think through, I guess, uh, as we go. First, we said that we were going to set aside a time every day when we can sit around the, the table and have a real conversation or sit around the living room, wherever you feel comfortable, and having a, have a real conversation as a family about things that really matter. And you can do that at breakfast or lunch or supper in the evening before bed. Because it doesn't matter when you do it, what really matters is that you do it, that you make it happen, that you set aside time as a family to do that. And, and we said back then that we, should, that we shouldn't use, or you shouldn't use, that conversation time as a time to correct your kids. Uh, this is a time to let them off the hook, at least for a little while. It, it's not a time to correct your kids because we don't want to talk with, we, we want to talk with our kids, not at them. Uh, 
I've often been complained to by teenagers that mom and dad do that. They never talk with me. They only ever talk at me. And so we don't want to be guilty of that. Second, we said that during this conversation time every day, we should turn off the TV, uh, leave our cell phones in the other room and other devices in the other room, and have them on mute. Uh, we said that because there's no point in having a conversation when everyone in the room is actually having a conversation with someone out of the room. And you see this all the time. Families go out and they have a meal together and everybody's on their devices. It's, so, it's as though they're there alone uh, connecting with people that are outside and are not there at the table. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Third, we said that when that mealtime conversation is over and you're once again on one of your devices where you're connected to social media, you should be click smart <clears throat> and realize that social media tracks every one of your clicks. You, you know, we've talked about this all, this, all last year and, and uh, we started out with like this at the beginning of the year last year. Uh, they track your clicks. And when, and when you click on things that are outrageous or edgy or off the wall, your preferred social media platform tracks that and will send you more information that's even further out in that direction. If you're leaning left when you, when you start clicking, then you're going to end up way out there. If you're leaning right when you start clicking, then you're going to end up way out there because that's the way social media works. Uh, we all know that the consequences of that progression as we go further and further out really truly have proven deadly for some people. And listen to me, that includes your Google searches. Google tracks your every click just like every other piece of social media does, and, and it brings back results to you that it thinks you want to hear. So you're busy looking for the truth, but Google is not giving you the truth. It's giving you what you want to hear. And as we studied the book of James, we often said that we're not saying that the truth is not on social media. We're just saying that you can't find it there because of the way your Google searches are stacked in light of what you've shown interest in. Google and other search engines are not committed to telling you the truth. Let's just be clear about that. They're committed to telling you what you want to hear. And the truth and what you want to hear rarely are the same thing. Google's designed to herd you in the direction that it thinks you want to go because that's how Google makes its money. That's how they fund that huge search engine. Uh, by they, the advertisers give them money to point you in the direction that the advertisers would like you to go. You are the product that Google sells, uh, that other social media sites sells. And uh, they do that by channeling you to, to, to information that's going to lead you to want whatever the advertiser is providing. Fourth, we said that when you first begin to browse social media on any given day, you, said you should set a timer. You should set a timer, and when the timer goes off, stop browsing social media. Again, not rocket science. Uh, I don't think I need to even tell you why I suggested this at the beginning of last year, because I know for myself and a, a whole lot of people that I've talked to, that they, we're consistently, I'm consistently surprised at how much time I've spent by the time I look at the clock. If I look at the clock when I start and get involved in this sleuth that I'm, that I'm in there, it's amazing how much time can go by. Um, and, and, you know, we, we need to be really clear that time is something that you can spend freely. You absolutely can. But you can never get it back. If you waste money, you can usually find a way to earn more money. But if you waste time, 
there's no way to earn more time. Time is much more limited than, than money is. And fifth, we said that you should make up your mind to spend as much time browsing God's Word every day as you spend browsing social media. And uh, this is another not rocket science sort of a thing. If social media is the only input or even the predominant input you have in your life, you will lose your way. It's happened all through 2020. It happened all through 2021. And I expect it will happen this year as well if this isn't in place in our lives. So this number five is something that you'll have to take into account when you, uh, when you put number four into practice. In other words, if you, look at the, if you look at the clock and you know that in an hour I have to be in such and such a place, an hour before I need to do the next thing, then you set your social media timer for 30 minutes. And when that goes off, you set your timer for another 30, minute, 30 minutes and give that time to, to developing your relationship with God, browsing His words, spending some time in worship, spending some time in prayer. It really can be that simple. When the social media timer goes off, and you stop browsing the web, reset your timer for the same amount of time, and use that time to connect with God. And I know that we're all busy. I know that. And we think that we don't have time to give to God's Word, but I'd like to suggest to you today that if you have time to browse social media, you have time to browse God's Word. You just have to manage the time that you have. Make sure that you make equal time. Otherwise, you become like the person who says, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to pray because I use up all my time worrying. <laughs> That's, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Take the time. If you've got some time, don't give it to worrying. Give it to praying. Make the same kind of decisions that the Apostle Paul made. If you have time to worry, you have time to pray. And by the same token, if you have time to spend in social media, you have time to spend in God's Word. And if you really are, uh, I'll, I'll grant you this, if you really are so busy that you have to choose between spending time with social media or spending time in God's Word, then I can tell you that the only way to survive for you is to get off social media and get into God's Word. Because social media takes things from you. And only God's Word can put those things it's time to say that that screen was up there uh, just like that more than 365 days ago, and that means that it's time to ask, how'd you do with all that stuff? How'd your family do with all that stuff? How did our church do with all that stuff? Are those things in place in your life? If those things are in place in, in, in our lives and in the lives of our families and the lives of the people of our church, then that's a great thing. Or... But if they're not, maybe we're inclined to ask for a do-over. Well, we can talk about wanting a do-over, but a do-over can't happen. I'm sure you've caught on to this, you know, if you're, if you're more than 20 minutes old. I remember, as we've been saying, there are a lot of things that time and money have in common, right? You can, uh, you can save time and you can save money. You can spend time and you can spend money. You can waste time and you can waste money. But as we said earlier, the difference between time and money is that when you waste money, you can usually find a way to earn some more money so that you'll have more money to work with. But when you waste time, there's no way to get more time. There's no way to earn more time. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, what will a person give in exchange for their soul? Once they've lived their whole life, what are they going to give to get more time? 
to have more opportunity to live here on planet Earth and get it right. All that to say that 2021 is in the books now, and, and either those things on the screen are part of your life and your family and, and our church, or they're not. If you didn't reach those goals in 2021, then let 2022 uh, be the year that, that you do reach those goals, that you put those things in place. Uh, again, uh, there's nothing up here that's terribly difficult. We're not asking you to be a good and holy person for the rest of the year. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't ask that of myself. I know better. I know that there's going to be moments in the year when <laughs> there's going to be moments in every day when I don't quite get it right. So if those things are in place in your life, then, then uh, please allow me to share some perspectives with you on what might be able to be possible in 2022. If those are not then get busy with those things. Make sure that you're spending time in God's Word, at least on an equal footing with social media. Please. There's a passage of Scripture that I'd like us to read together this morning. Um, and, and so I'll ask you, as I always do, to stand as we read. It's, it's not a very long passage, so you won't be standing very long. But, uh, but 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says... Hold on a second. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And that's all. I know that was short. Thank you. You can take your seats. But you can still be confident in the fact that, uh, that God always blesses us with his truth when we read his word. The story from God's Word this morning is not actually a story about something that happened. It's actually a story that Jesus told one day when he was teaching. In fact, in Luke 15, Jesus told three stories about lost things. And I'd like to share one of those three stories with you now. Among those three stories, one was about a lost sheep, another was about a lost coin, and the third was about a lost son. The three stories don't really focus on the things that were lost. Please know that as we go into this. The three stories don't really focus on the things that were lost, but on the joy that the finders experienced when those lost things were found. By that I mean a shepherd lost a sheep and was overjoyed when he found it. A woman lost a coin and was ecstatic when she found it. And a father lost a son and was indescribably glad when he found the son that he had lost. That third story is the story I want to tell you this morning to the best of my ability, as Jesus told it in Luke chapter 15. And with that background, this is the story from God's Word. It was a man who had two sons. One day the younger of him came to him and said, Father, Give me my share of the estate, and, I, and I want it, I'd like it now, please, rather than waiting until later. So the father divided his property in half and gave half of it to his younger son. Shortly after that, the younger son gathered together everything that he now had, and he left that place and headed off for a distant country. And while he was there in that country, he squandered his wealth on, on wild living and partying. Then after it was all spent, there was a famine, a severe famine in that country where he was living, and that trapped the young man there in that far country in deep poverty. He wasn't sure what to do so, because he was a foreigner, and so he hired himself out to, to someone in that famine-stricken land, 
He hired himself up to some people who lived there, and they, well, they, they kept pigs for a living. So he took the job as a pig keeper. He fed the pigs. He didn't make much money in his job, so he continued to be deeply hungry. He became so hungry, in fact, that he found himself staring into the bucket he used to slop the pigs, wondering if anything in there might be worthwhile enough to, to keep him alive. And that was the moment he came to his senses. He said to himself, my father has lots of servants. And every one of those hired servants have more than enough to eat on every single day while I'm here starving to death. I know what I'm going to do, he said to himself. I'll go back to my father and I'll talk with him. I'll say, I've sinned against heaven and against you, father. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me one of your servants. With that plan in place, he left that foreign country and barefoot headed home. After days of traveling, he finally got within eyeshot of his home. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father's heart had been broken at the loss of his son. So when he saw his son walking there in the distance, he was filled with compassion for him. So the father ran all the way from his house to where his son was approaching on the horizon there. And when he reached his son, he threw his arms around him. And he kissed him on the cheek. The son pushed and created some distance. And he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he got the opportunity to ask his father to make him one of his servants, the father interrupted him. He turned to one of the servants and he said, Quick, bring the best clothes that we have and put them on my son. Bring some sandals for him and bring a ring for his finger. And then go and get the calf that we have been fattening for a, a huge celebration and prepare it because we're going to have a huge barbecue tonight. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a feast because my son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. So the entire household began to celebrate together and it turned into a rather noisy party. Meanwhile, the older son was out working in the field for his father, and at the end of the day, he made his way back home, and when he got near the house, he was surprised to hear music and to see people dancing in the house and, and in the courtyard. He was confused, of course, as to what was going on, so he called one of the servants and asked him, your brother's come home, the servant said, and so your father has killed the fatted calf, and 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 we're having, a we're having a barbecue. He's doing that because your father is overjoyed to have your brother home safe and sound. The older brother was livid, absolutely livid. He was so angry, in fact, that he refused to go in and take part in the celebration, even though his father went out and pleaded with him to come in. He confronted his father when his father came on. Look, he said, all these years I have slaved for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders even once. Despite that, you never so much as gave me a goat so that I could have a, a barbecue with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home, this one that has squandered all of your, 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 your wealth and your property on partying, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father responded, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. 
we had to be glad because your brother was lost and he has been found. He was dead and he is alive again. And that's the story from God's Word. Now, if you were to ask anybody who knows their Bible what the name of that story is, they would say it's the story of the... Good for you. See, you guys know your Bible. And that's a pretty catchy title, but what's a prodigal son? What, what's a prodigal son? It's, it's a... Well, uh, you know, whenever I read or, or learn a story from God's Word... Part of the thing that I do is I try to put on the sandals of the various people in the story and imagine what it would have been like for them. I I don't put that into the story when I'm telling it. I just tell you the story from God's Word. But I, I like to try to sort out how people might be feeling in this story. For example, there are three characters in this story, right? The prodigal son, the father, and the brother of the prodigal son. Three characters. So let me ask you what I asked myself this past week. Do you identify most with the prodigal son, with the father, or with the older brother? Which part of that story speaks best to you? I think in order to really answer that question, we have to fully understand what the word prodigal means. You know, we just kind of throw it out. And I think it's worth noting that the word prodigal doesn't appear anywhere in the story that Jesus told. Jesus did not use the word prodigal. Prodigal only appears in the title or the heading. If you have the NIV, uh, then you you see there the parable of the lost son, though others will say the parable of the prodigal son. But the, the story itself says nothing about a prodigal son. I'm bringing that up now because for years, I thought that the word prodigal, and you can throw things at me if you want, I thought that the word prodigal described someone who had wandered away that he became the prodigal son when he wandered away. So when I tried to sort out my connection to the prodigal son, I would measure that by how often I've wandered away and how far away I've wandered, uh, you know, over the course of my life. That seemed to be the best connection. But you might be surprised, like I was, to know that being a prodigal, listen to me, being a prodigal has nothing to do with wandering. Nothing. Let me try to clarify why I say that by giving you some synonyms for the word prodigal. Prodigal means the same thing as uncontrolled, extravagant, reckless, wasteful, and squandering. Prodigal doesn't mean that he wandered off. It means that he wasted. He squandered the resources and gifts that his father provided for him. He didn't earn the title prodigal by walking away, by wandering off, by leaving home. He earned the title prodigal by asking his father for something, which his father then provided, but then the son wasted the father's gift by using it in a way that the father never intended. He wasted, he squandered the treasure that his father gave him. So that means that the older brother was wrong about a lot of things. We know that. But he was absolutely correct in what he says about the prodigal son, his prodigal brother. Look at what he says in Luke 15, 30. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The issue for the older brother was not that his little brother had wandered off. That wasn't the deal. The issue for the older brother was that his younger brother had squandered and wasted their father's property. And when I look at that story, this story in that light, 
I really do identify with the prodigal son. But not because I've a, I have a tendency to wander away from God in my life, though God knows that I do. I do wander off at times. No, I identify with the prodigal son because I have a habit of wasting the precious resources that God provides for me, the precious gifts that God gives to me, the precious treasures he helps me to find. And I hope that understanding that truth is helpful to you as well. But as we've mentioned, the story's not essentially about a son because that story was one of three stories that Jesus told one right after the other. First of the stories told about a lost sheep, the second told about a lost coin, the third told about a lost son. But the stories aren't about a sheep, a coin, or a son. Those stories that Jesus told are actually stories about the shepherd who lost the sheep, the woman who lost the coin, the, the father who lost his son. In all three of those stories, Jesus was telling a story about his father in heaven and how ecstatically happy the father is when lost people are found. And that story, those three stories, that story of the lost son all by themselves, that joy that the father experienced as he kissed his son and welcomed him home, that should be something that motivates us to reach out to the lost. But I wonder if it does. I wonder how many of us reach out to lost people because we've set the goal of reaching out to, to lost people. And I also have to wonder if we're just being honest, if the goals that we set for ourselves last year really didn't change the way we do life, what would be the point in setting goals for this year? Unless, of course, you want to just get together the first Sunday of next year and collectively shrug our shoulders as, as we think about the goals we might set on that day. I mean, isn't the best way not to worry about reaching your goals, not to set goals in the first place? I don't want to be patronizing. I'm just trying to suggest a whole new approach to the beginning of the year. What I mean is this. Instead of talking about goals, why don't we talk in terms of desires instead? Of course, it has to come with a caveat because we've just been through the book of James and James has given us some serious warnings about desires, right? The word desires might have put you, when I said it just a moment ago, might have put you on high alert. James says that when we desire something and foster that desire in our heart, that desire grows up and gives birth to sin and then sin, when it grows up, gives birth to death. So we've maybe reconditioned, I think, to mistrust the, the word desire in any of its forms, anything that we might desire, because we think it always carries a negative connotation. It doesn't. Let me show you something that, that David wrote in Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you suppose it means there when it says that God will give you the desires of your heart. Well, at first blush, David is speaking very plainly. He's just saying that, that uh, if we take delight in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of your heart. That's what the Scripture says. And that's because desires are tied to whatever it is that we take delight in. If I take delight in my house or my job or my car or in wealth, I can be sure that my desires will grow from that thing in which I take delight. It's not wrong to like your house. How many like their house? Yeah, see, nothing wrong with that. I, 
I don't know, I'm not going to ask about your car because I know it's the wrong time of year to be asking about whether we like our car or not, but uh, it's okay to like your house or your, your job or your car, and it's not wrong to like having a bit of extra cash to spend at the end of the month or the week. But if you take delight in any of those things, the pattern that James suggested could very quickly become a reality. In other words, desire for satisfaction from the things of this world will grow up and lead to sin. And that sin will grow up and lead to death. And that's not something that any of us want. What do you suppose would happen in my life if I were to take delight in God on a moment-by-moment basis? Well, Psalm 37 is clear. If I take delight in God, he'll give me the desires of my heart. But does it, what, is that, what does that mean? Does that mean that God will give me the things that I desire? Or does it mean that he will give me the desire for the right things? It can go either way if you're doing exegesis on this verse. You see the difference between those two thoughts? Is he going to give me desire for the right things? Or is he going to give me the things that I desire if I take delight in God? Well, the answer to that question is a, is a very simple answer. Yes. Yes, it's not an either or. It's a both and. Because when I take delight in God, I learn to take delight in the things that are a delight to him. Think about the prodigal son, the wasteful son. He asked his father for something and the father gave it to him, but the father wasn't delighted in how the son wasted the gift that his father gave him. But at the end of the story, the father was delighted. But why was the father delighted at the end? The father was delighted when his dead son was alive. He was delighted when his lost son was found. The father desired more time with his son. And if the son had offered that, the father would have been delighted. But what does it all mean? Well, how about this? How about we stop talking about goals that we're going to set for this year and talk instead about what it would mean to take delight in God over the course of this coming year. To just take delight in him, to learn to delight in God. Because we know that if we take delight in God, he'll first give us the desire for the right things this year. And as we take those desires to heart, if we begin to desire the things for ourselves that God desires for us, then we can be sure that God will honor those desires by giving us those things. So how about instead of setting goals for 2022, we talk about desires. Desires that we plan to ask God to create in our hearts and make a reality in the coming year. If we skip a stone across the story of the prodigal son, that story that Jesus told, we can discover some of the things that Jesus embedded into the story about what God takes delight in, about what, the, what causes delight to the Father. And perhaps we can articulate some desires for this coming year. The beginning of the story prodigal son went to his father and demanded that he wanted his inheritance now. He wanted it now. And it's important that we note that the prodigal son was entitled to his inheritance. He just, we can assume that the father would have preferred that he have more time with his son before he sent him out. At least as a dad, I'm, I'm convinced of that. But the prodigal son, the wasteful son, was more interested in what he could get from his father than he was in spending time with his father. Did you pick up on that in the story? And that points me directly to my prayer life. I can tell you that I pray a lot. I, I do. I pray throughout the day. But I mostly pray on the fly. 
Uh, I mean, you know, I'm driving here or there. I'm in a hurry to get this thing done or, or that thing done. And, and by that I mean as, as the day is unfolding, I talk to God and I ask him about what's going on around me, give me some insight, give me some wisdom, and I ask him to give me the resources to, that I need to meet the challenges, the specific challenges that he's built into that day. By taking fleeting moments to ask God for things, I guess I'm praying. But I have to say that taking fleeting moments to ask God for things is not the same as dedicating blocks of my time to get down on my knees or to wander around my room alone to ask God to reveal himself to me so that I can get to know him better. And that leads to the first of the desires that I'll be asking God to bring to reality in my life in 2022. I'm going to pray more and on my knees, asking God to show me his heart instead of spending all my time asking him to do stuff for me. That's how I spend most of my prayer time. God, I need this. I need that. Please help me with this. Please help me with that. I don't spend enough time asking God to reveal his heart to me. And I know I may not always be in a place where I can get down on my knees, but if that happens, I'll spend some time walking or standing or sitting in a place where I can focus my time and talk out loud to God. Let's just, let me re recommend that. God can hear your thoughts, absolutely, but talk out loud to Him. I have to because my mind tends to wander if I don't talk out loud. I'm thinking, thinking to God, and then I'm thinking about God, and then I'm thinking about Boy, when did I last get the oil changed? <laughs> you know what? I don't know that I'm praying about getting the oil changed, but that's how I do it. I, I'm talking about taking a focused time in prayer every day. The next part of the story, the, father, the son takes the father's gifts and squanders them. He, he wastes them. He uses them up with his riotous living. Then when the father, what the father provided for him is all gone, he continues to look to the world to satisfy his hunger. He's willing to eat pig slop rather than return to his father and straighten things out. And that brings me to the second desire that I have, uh, that I'll be asking God to bring to a reality in my life in 2022. I'm going to ask God to improve my vision so that I can look at the world through God's eyes. I'll be asking him to help me to recognize that, that there's nothing in this world that will satisfy my hunger. Because God didn't put me in the world so that the world could satisfy me. The world could feed me. He put me in this world so that I could feed the world. And you're here for the same reason if you're a follower of Jesus. I want to see the needs of the people around me and focus on them and their needs instead of focusing on me and making sure that my needs are met. The next part of the story, the son comes to his senses and realizes that he can't get anyone to care for him in this faraway country, but his father back home is caring for everyone. The prodigal son used to be somebody, but then he wasted his father's gifts and his inheritance, and he became nobody, but then he was willing to get down and dirty with anybody for the sake of getting closer to his father's heart. He was a son, but he was willing to live with the servants for the sake of being near his dad so that he could be cared for once again by his dad. The prodigal son had lived a life of entitlement and missed the fact that the father had longed for relationship with his son. But the father also longed for relationship with everyone around his son. And that brings me to the third desire that I, I'll, uh, I'll be asking God to bring to a reality in my life. 
in 2022. I'm going to ask God to help me to, do, to listen more and to judge less. I'm surrounded by lost people. And I don't often take the time to empathize with them as they try to find their way through the darkness of their lives. And I'm tired of judging other people who are on the, the wrong track simply because they're on the wrong side of the aisle, simply because no one has cared enough about them to tell them about Jesus. And that's why I'm going to ask God to help me not to get caught up in the hatred and distrust that divides our society today. I'm asking God to help me to be willing to lose the argument for the sake of winning the soul. I'm going to ask him to let me mingle with all people on both sides of the aisle and to teach me to build my relationship with them by learning to listen to what they have to say. I'm going to ask him to teach me to really listen to others and to listen for things that I can agree with as they speak instead of listening for things that I disagree with. I'm going to ask him to teach me to see others as, as people that God loves so that I can get in touch with their hearts in the same way that God gets in touch with their hearts. Prodigal son was wrong, 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 but the father still desired that he would come back to his senses and come home. And if God desires that people come back to him, then I desire to build bridges between them and God by building bridges between them and me, because I'm the one that knows the truth in this conversation. In the next part of the story, the prodigal son finally makes it home. And we discover that the father had, oh, I love this part of the story, the father had seen him coming from a long way off. And that must mean that the father was sitting by the window or sitting there on the porch watching for his son to come home. And that brings me to the fourth desire that I'll be asking God to make a reality in my life in 2022. I'm going to ask God to help me to watch for opportunities. Watch for and see opportunities to share the good news with people who are longing to hear it. Sometimes I don't see opportunities to share the good news because I'm not looking for opportunities to share the good news. Have you ever had it happen when you come to the end of the day and, and you think back about what happened during the day and, then it, and it's only then that you realize that, that it, at that particular moment, that moment that you had earlier in the day, would have been a perfect moment for you to share the truth about Jesus with someone. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me all the time. I had the opportunity to experience the joy of telling someone about Jesus, but I missed the opportunity because I was too busy with other things. And I, I love you all, but I expect that that happens to you as well. You had a perfect opportunity to speak up and tell someone about Jesus, but you let the moment pass and the opportunity just disappeared. Uh, five, six, seven weeks ago, I've lost track of when it was. I was putting gas in, in, in my wife's car there at uh, her, her Jeep there at the gas station on, on 54, you know, as you're headed out by Gerbs. And I was off to one side of the gas station. And so I, 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 I just by nature, where the gas cap, I had to have my back to everybody else that was there in the gas station. And I was pumping the gas in there. And, and I got done pumping it, filled it up, and, you know, closed it up and turned around and was surprised to see a woman standing right behind me. She had snuck up like a, a cat. Uh, she was just uh, elegantly dressed, a, a beautiful woman, clearly 
uh, clearly very, very capable, and, and, uh, and she said to me the strangest thing. She said, I'm, I'm on my way to Springfield, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't have enough money for the gas that I need. Could you, would you be willing to put some gas in my car? So I said, of course. My, you know, my mind by now is twisting in the wind as I'm trying to sort out what's happening, who this woman is, and how someone this well-dressed could be... But then you, when I got over to her car, she actually had a luxury car, a rather new one. And so I'm more and more confused, just flabbergasted. And, and, and so I, you know, I, I put my card in the gas pump, and, and I, I pumped some gas into her car and, and closed it up. And, uh, and uh, she got into her car and drove off while I'm standing there holding this. And that's pretty much the story because I, I just stood there and watched her drive off. I, I wish I could tell you a better story about that moment, but I just stood there and watched her drive off. You see, I, <clears throat> I needed to get to the office, and, and this situation was confusing, and I, I spent so much time trying to figure out what was going on that I ended up just putting the gas in her car and watching her drive away. I went and got in my car, and as I drove away, the Spirit of God n nudged me. He did. And he asked me to think through whether there was any real difference between that woman and the woman at the well. Was there any real difference between the two of them? As I drove back to the office, I couldn't think of any real difference between them other than the fact that Jesus had talked about himself to the woman at the well, but I had said nothing about Jesus to this woman at the gas pump. And that's when I realized that I had missed an opportunity that God had given me. She had asked me for some gas for her car, and I, I could have given her the living water that would have satisfied her soul and met any need that she was experiencing that had led her to approach a stranger to ask for help. But I didn't see that the, the opportunity that God had given me in time to take advantage of it. Well, I want you to know that I'm tired of doing that, and I'm determined to listen more intently to God when He opens a door of opportunity for me to talk about him with someone who needs to hear. In the last part of the story, you see there's room for one more, so you know we're almost done. In the last part of the story, the father forgives the prodigal son, but the prodigal brother wants nothing to do with joining in the celebration the father had planned. In other words, the father gave the prodigal brother an opportunity to join in welcoming the prodigal son back home, the wasteful son. But the prodigal brother wanted nothing to do with what was on his father's heart. You see, it means nothing to have an opportunity if you don't take advantage of the opportunity that you have to share the gospel. And that brings me to the fifth and last desire that I, that I have that I'll be asking God to bring to reality in my life in 2022 I'm going to ask God to help me to intentionally share the gospel with one person every week. I want to be intentional in asking God to bring people to me who need to hear the good news about Jesus. And I want to be intentional in taking advantage of the opportunities he gives me instead of wasting them. I want God to know that he can trust me to use the gifts that he's given me instead of wasting them. I want God to know that he can trust me to share the good news with people he brings my way. God, if there's somebody out there that you want me to talk to this week, bring them my way. I will. I will. In 1 Corinthians 16, 8-9, Paul wrote, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. 
because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Why do you suppose Paul saw the opportunities he had in Ephesus? I believe that Paul saw the opportunities that God gave him there in Ephesus because Paul was looking for them. I believe that Paul was delighting himself in the Lord, and the Lord responded that by helping Paul to desire opportunities to share the good news with people. And once that desire was in place in God's heart, God honored that desire by opening doors for Paul to share the good news with people who needed to hear it. I want to have the kind of vision that sees opportunities to share the good news. And I want to follow through on the opportunities. I want to follow through on the desire God has given me to walk through the door he opens for me so that I can share the good news with those who are ready to hear it. And that brings me to just three things that I want to say in closing. First, please look at this list that God's laid on my heart. And please make a decision to pray for me as I seek to allow God to accomplish these desires, to embed these desires in my heart. Secondly, please look at this list that God's laid on my heart and hold me accountable to all of it. I'm inviting you to hold me accountable to all of it because in 2022, I want to see the desires of my heart fall into line with the desires of God's heart so that he can be free to give me the desires of my heart. When my desires line up with his, he's enthusiastic about giving me those things that I desire. By the way, if you have your smartphone, that's a great use of it. You can just take a picture of it up there and uh, you'd, uh, you'd have it for the rest of the day at least until you don't Snapchat it because it just goes away. Third, please look at the list that God's laid on my heart and make a decision to join me. To join me in asking God to give you the desires of your heart. Ask him to give you the desire for the right things. And then ask him to give you the things that you desire. Remember that in 2021, James taught us that if we pray for one another and hold one another accountable, then God will respond to that by doing miraculous things in our midst as old habits fade away and new habits become a reality in our lives every moment of every day. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are people who are made of breakable, brittle, dry clay. But God has given us the treasure of the good news so that we can share that good news with other people. That means that you and I have been given a treasure by God himself, and that means that we owe it to ourselves and the people around us not to waste that treasure on ourselves. But instead, we must freely share it with everyone. Everyone will get to know this year. Stop wasting the delightful things he's given you and decide to start giving those delightful things to others for their good and for the sake of God's glory. Do that because a day is coming when we're going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, and when he asks us what we all did with the treasures that he gave us, when he asks you what he did, what you did with the treasures that he gave you, I know you're going to want to be able to say, as I do, I gave them all away. I gave them all away. I didn't waste them. I shared them with those who needed them. I hope that's on your heart this morning.
Will you stand with me in the presence? Father and our God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the promise that we have that if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. God, help us to be so in tune with you, so aware of your heart that the desires, the, thing that, the things that bring you joy, the things that you desire will become the very things that we desire. And then, God, we know that we can step confidently into your presence and say, I desire to share the good news with other people. So, God, bring those people along so that those desires can become a reality. Help us to delight ourselves in you and to care more about others than we care about ourselves as we make our way through 2022 until those final moments on December 31st when it becomes a new year and we have a new opportunity to think this through. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen and amen. We're going to be starting First Timothy, not next week, but the week after that. And uh, you might be surprised to discover, or maybe not, that First Timothy is going to talk a lot about that, uh, that list of things that we had there, up, up there on the screen. Um, as, as, we, uh, as we go through First Timothy, Timothy, Paul is going to encourage us over and over to get it right. Uh, not because keeping the law makes a difference, but because there's a way. There's a way that God uses us and, and delights in using us. So thank you for coming this morning. If you're here for the first time, come back and join us. If you're here for the first time, then you probably aren't going to understand this next little bit, but we hope you'll get used to it over time. Ready? Go get them, Potter's House.